Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Love doing this every single week. One of my favorite things, a highlight of my league. I look, I look forward to it. And of course, we will get to your questions uh, in, in just a little bit. But first, we'll, we'll talk our own about just what happened this week and the, the week coming up. So we got Kevin here. We've got Eli. So we'll go to Kevin first. Um, you were in Tampa Bay, in St. Pete this week. Tell us about that general experience. It, it was your first time getting to see the Marlins on the road and covering on the road. That's all I'm familiar with, but. How was that experience for you? And just what, what was that two game series like? It was great. It was really fun. I had an amazing time. Uh, you would think that you know I was going in, with, you know, with expectations pretty low with when it comes to um, going into the trial. Just hearing, you know, what you've heard before that it sucks. It's not nice. I liked. It. I really liked it. I thought it was a nice stadium. From the outside, it looks horrid. I'll tell you that much. But from the inside, I mean, the press box is really nice. They honor the team very well with the many museums they have. It was a great experience overall. And then when you go to, you know, on the field, play on the field, it was rough for the first game. Obviously, Miami just wasn't able to get anything going off of Tyler Glass now, who, I mean, you know, usually ZRA's letter high at home or was entering to start. But after a dominant start against the Orioles, uh, he dominated Miami. And, I mean, Good. I mean, he's he's a great pitcher, and Miami was just not able to get anything going. Even the day after the game, in post game, Skip was still talking about Glass and how good he was. So, uh, and then game two, obviously, I, I think the story was simple. It was Sandy Alcantara and his nine inning game, and he dominated. Man, I, I believe he just gave up one home run, and he was really good. I mean, everything was working for him. Uh, mechanics were good. Velo was really good. Uh, for and then obviously. Stalling, he's going out there another day after looking like he was injured. He had an injury, I believe, with his neck. His neck was all red the day after on post game when we were talking to him. And the bottom of the order really getting it going. That's one thing that stood out to me. I don't know if you know it stood out to you guys, but the bottom of the order is kind of getting it going. Um, so I, I I really think that you know Miami's offense looked like what it should have. Obviously, Lucas Rice got two hundred career RBIs. So good for him on that end, and it was, it was a great game overall. Uh, that was a big, big win. They really, really needed that one. They needed to win this one to go into some with some type of momentum entering Mickey Week, and obviously they they were able to take two out of three. All you know, despite that being a pretty ugly series. Couldn't get myself unmuted, but yes, ugly indeed. I don't know if there's such thing as a bad series win without any injuries, but. That was a pretty bad series win. Um, definitely some very lucky moments today. But going to the Tiger series real quick. I'll oh, just jumping ahead here. 
the, the Marlins bottom half of the lineup really, really, really stepped up. And, you know, some of these guys, depending on what happens in the next two days, they, they may be out of a job, specifically Segura at third, maybe Avi as well. And, um, but they, they all really, really stepped up and kind of just showed their worth. And offensively, this Marlins team has shown what they could uh, – what they could be with them all at their peaks, but this team is too streaky outside of Louisa Rise to to really put all that together at one point and not so much just have that be, but to bank on it as well. And just very, very flawed series for sure. Um, you know, starting pitching went pretty well today for Lazard, not for Lazardo's standards, but he still pitched a good game, all things considered. But AJ Puck, man. Well, I guess we'll, we'll jump to this already. What, what has happened to A.J. Puck? The guy has been the worst reliever in baseball since the month of May began. Uh, I mean, the, the guy is just terrible. We'll go to Eli here. What exactly has happened to A.J. Puck? And even he got moved up into more of a medium leverage spot today, the seventh inning, got him out of those final two innings and give him a chance to potentially save the game. What has happened to this guy? I would say in particular, it's been this month of July. It was that final week before the all-star break where things went bad, where it's not that he didn't have a couple of bad games earlier than that, but those that's when he started to get hit hard. I mean, it's one thing if occasionally he walks better or occasionally a couple of balls in play don't go his way, but he's been getting hit so hard over almost the last month now. And it's been happening in so many important situations too. There's some guys where, it's kind of a cliche that if you put a closer in non-save situations, then there you don't perform the same. But with him, it's been it's been everything. It's been save situations. It's been tie games. It's been now that he's out of the closer's role, it's been in a setup situation. And I think there was even one time where he came in with the team trailing and he even struggled to get through that inning. Um, yeah, he is just lost right now. And it's it, I mean, it's one thing when a guy is not on top of your game and he falls down in the hierarchy of the bullpen, but he is the least effective pitcher on this entire pitching staff right now. Uh, he should not be pitching in any consequential situations at all. Like anybody you can think of on this active roster at the moment should be in the game before he is, because this is, uh, this is a severe issue. This is him, especially today going up against some not particularly potent hitters. And they're seeing the ball off of him and they're hitting the ball, both his fastball and his sweeper. It's really been both of those pitches have been issues for him. And it hasn't, the one thing that uh, I, I think a couple of his worst moments have come against right-handed batters. But then today, what even drives the point home about how much he's struggling is when he gets hit by a lefty. It was Kerry Carpenter that was the one that delivered the big hit with the bases loaded. Um, a lefty-on-lefty matchup and the sweeper in that matchup. And I, I got to see what the count was. I think it may have been, yeah, it was on a first pitch. I think he got him on. Um, it is falling apart every which way for him. There's no pattern to it. The only thing is he's been consistently terrible uh, in his appearances. And until they need to do something to straighten it out, there's something fundamentally wrong with the way that he's finishing his pitches. He's not putting them in the spots he wants them to. And even when he thinks he is, it's not playing the same. It's not getting swings and misses. It's not getting weak contact. Um and thankfully, they acted a little quickly. They didn't wait until the deadline to make reliever moves. They made two of them in advance. That was a bright spot of the series is that Lopez 
and Robertson combined for three appearances, three scoreless appearances um, during the course of this weekend. And they needed both of them to finish off this game on Sunday. That makes a difference. And that's because of the se- severity of Puck's struggles. I think that pushed the team to act five or six days earlier than they would have otherwise, because he is, it really has been a dramatic fall for him. Unfortunately, they need to go back to the drawing board with him. And in the meantime, I would hope that skip recognizes the, how recognizes the reality of the situation that everybody else in the meantime should be pitching in situations ahead of AJ puck when the game is on the line. So, feasible to bring someone up from AAA right now or try and see if you can go get another reliever despite the fact that the reliever market's about to get really, really inflated with the deadline right there. And to your point, the Marlins acted pretty early. They got Robertson at a premium price from 100%. And that was definitely a good move to get him as early as possible. But which would you guys, both you and, or, and Kevin, uh, say what would be a more feasible option no you're not trading for another reliever especially not another rental reliever right now you need those assets to address the starting rotation and to address the lineup or at least one of those two um andrew nardi is coming back we think on tuesday he's about to come back and, and you look at the bullpen depth chart when he returns on paper i think you have seven guys that you trust more than puck and it's a pretty deep bullpen when he, thankfully the big sigh of relief this weekend was Tanner Scott because he strained his calf and he's pitching less than two days later. Um, I can't remember seeing that before. Somebody diagnosed with a calf strain, even if it's a mild one, and then coming back and pitching and doing his job two days later. So that was a huge sigh of relief that he's still there. In addition to him and Robertson and Lopez, you have Chagua, Okert, Brazabon, and uh, now that's an interesting choice. Um between Soriano, now that I look at it, who is, yeah, they have to choose between Brazabon and Soriano for the final spot when Nardi comes back. And I think it's pretty clear that Brazabon is going to be the one they could squeeze down uh, for the moment. Soriano has been great as well recently. So yeah, you have, you have seven guys ahead of Puck in the hierarchy once that happens, including George Soriano, in my opinion. And it's a pretty good bullpen. It's one with a decent amount of swing and miss, a decent amount of ground balls. And at the very Top end, uh, you have the guy that has been there and done that before um, in Robertson. So to me, I, I would not spend any more assets on relievers. You got to just trust the guys that you have. There's some interesting names in AAA that could come up later in the year. And now potentially you're squeezing Brazabon to AAA. And that's a guy that we know at certain times has been immensely valuable to this team. So I think the bullpen is set. Soriano, that guy, George Soriano has been amazing ever since he was called up and he's been, you know, taking these long relief roles for the most part. Uh, and I guess that was going to be the, that, that was, I guess that was going to happen today since Tiger scored four early runs. I guess they were just going to give uh, Soriano some long relief. And I guess Miami came back and I, I think things changed there and that's why they put Puck in. But man, this guy has been so good. One nine, eight ERA. Uh, that's, I believe that's what it is at right now. And this guy's really good. That slider. Eli was highlighting it today that, you know, even when it when it's middle middle, it's still very good, and it gets it generates whiffs and swings, and it, it, it's such a good pitch. I you know, and I, Isaac always says that he has a better slider than Max Meyer, and he really may. I mean, that, it's how it's that good. But 
we'll see. Uh, I like Soriano. I want to give him more high leverage. I think today we kind of saw it, kind of, I guess you could say, with how things turned out where Miami went, you know, back and, and scored four runs in that case. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I do think I, I would like to see him like some seventh inning roles for now. But if he continues to do what he's doing, he, he's he deserves a lot of credit for what he's been doing. And I'm a big George Soriano guy. I've been a big George Soriano guy since, like, I think two years now. So, shout out to him for what he's been doing. And obviously, I mean, he was the big part of today's win. Keep holding, you know, delete. Holding, giving Miami a chance to come back and do something. And obviously, that happened today. Agree. You know, I had a pretty good lead in talking about the assets here. We'll get to our trade deadline talk because I'm sure every question that we're probably going to get is going to be trade related, which is good. That's what we want. Love talking about trade. I know some of us here on Fish on First said last night, trade talks starting to get exhausted, but we're here in the thick of it. It's a very interesting deadline. Don't know what's going to happen with the, the lack of sellers and uh, the abundance of, of buyers. So bullpen seems to be set. Marlon's got two arms. A lot of us said they probably need to go get one, maybe two arms. I guess they technically, I mean, they, they got two, but they had to trade one to get it. So it's a net gain of, of one arm. And Nardi's coming back this week. Bullpen, in theory, should be pretty good. Love what we saw from David Roberts in the day, by the way. Um, definitely thought he was going to blow the save just because it's a very Marlins thing to, to do. But he did it, so that's good. But two needs definitely stand out for the Marlins still. I think one is probably more likely to get than the other at this point. And the more likely option would be back-end starting pitcher for the rotation to eat some innings. It definitely seems like that's coming. The question is who? Jordan Montgomery has been taken off the board. He's a Texas Ranger. Max Scherzer got traded, but that was never happening, so I don't know why I even mentioned him. Verlander also will not be happening. The Cubs are not selling, so no Stroman. And the other thing I said that the Marlins need is definitely a middle-of-the-order bat. It means Bellinger will not happen. So the Cubs are out of the seller's market. It's getting pretty slim in terms of sellers. And some teams are going to overpay for some guys, but I really thought about it today after watching yesterday's offense, especially. I might be okay with Kim overpaying for particular players. And one of those being Candelario out of Washington, D.C. He might be the best available bat on the market to this point. Um, definitely what the Marlins need. The report is also out there that the Marlins are pushing hard for Glaber Torres, but the, the asking price is too much. New York media kind of blew that one out of proportion. I don't expect it to happen, but for the deadline, expect the unexpected. So turn it to you guys. What do you guys think is the most likely thing to happen at this deadline? Just any general thoughts about what, what's been out there on Twitter, rumors, just things of that nature. Well, literally, I think like a minute before we started, they put out the Jack Flaherty one. So, I guess we could go into that one. Obviously, we saw them today. The Cardinals trade away Jordan Montgomery for a couple prospects. And I know the, the Rangers also got a reliever, Chris Stratton, I believe. So I guess that was, I guess, why we saw the trade that they made today. Flaherty is all right. I mean, he's had a pretty good year. Um, ERA, 4-4-3, uh, not, not, not the nicest things to see. But, I mean, aside from that, still a guy who's going to eat you innings and get some good outs. I believe his start in Miami was one of the better ones this season. He went six and six and two thirds. He struck out five, didn't allow an earned run, only walked two. So yeah, uh, I guess if you want to use that into any account. But aside from that, I think really that's if I'm correctly thinking that may be probably one of the last options available. 
unless you want to go to Oakland and just at this point just take the flyer on Paul Blackburn. But aside from that, I think Flaherty is, is the move here if you're looking at starting pitching. Again, I, I'm blanking out on other names. Oh, Lorenzen's still on the board there, so we'll see what happens there. And um, yeah, so Lorenzen's there. You also have Eduardo Rodriguez if you want to take a you know take him. He's he's had a nice year, and then obviously a Jack Flaherty. So those are the three pitchers I would be looking at right now. So yeah. I believe that the Marlins are really trying to figure out some creative packages here with, with Flaherty. We've talked about Michael Lorenzen before with guys like this that are rentals and also starters that this team is not going to really have any interest in trying to bid to resign in free agency. Um, you're not comfortable giving up one of your better prospects, which is what they're going to have to do for a decent starting pitcher. You're not as comfortable doing that if it's only that pitcher on his own. And so that's why the Cardinals have been naturally mentioned as a fit because they also have a lot of bats that are movable. And the one like, yeah, the lower level package, uh, I, I'd say the, the basic package that I think could make a pretty decent difference, but also is manageable for the Marlins would be getting Flaherty and somebody like Paul DeYoung, who's having a much better season um, and who I think is a club option for next year and the year beyond that, but he's a potential free agent unless he, unless he really goes off late this year, that that'd be a guy. They declined the option. He's just a rental, but he would really raise the floor of, you know, their offense a little bit on that left side of the infield Uh, today. um, Excluding today, you know, Segura is just not going to give you any power there. Uh, Today was kind of an anomaly from him. And defensively, it's really not getting much better from him either at a third base. So when you get somebody like DeYoung, either he plays shortstop and you move, you know, Birdie and Wendell to third more often, or, you know, I think even DeYoung himself could play third base. There's a couple of different things they could do there, but they do need some help uh, in on the infield. You know, today as it is really the anomaly to have home runs from both Cooper and from Segura, that's not going to happen very often. That might never happen again the rest of the year to have both of them at the exact same time do that. Um, that's the missing component of this offense is power from their infield. I've put out the stats before where compared to the Braves, the Braves have like individual guys on their infield who have homered more often than every single Marlins infielder combined. It's just, it's not sustainable and it hasn't really sustained to this point. It's been a bad offensive team for the most part. And I think that's the main deficiency that they address. So they could do that with a package like that. Um, and Condelario is again, the one really obvious fit, you know, there's nothing too bold about it, uh, but there are so many teams interested in him that just to get him alone is going to cost quite a bit in terms of prospect capital and you look at that Nationals roster, and there's not a whole lot of appealing supplementary pieces on their roster that you would even want in a package for there. Um, so th- I think that's going to come into the calculus as well. They could feel like they could get more shopping done in one spot with the Cardinals. Um, then I, I think that is slightly more likely than them getting Condelario. I just feel like they would lose. They Well, they I think they are. I think they're trying to bid for Condelario, but I think it's going to reach a point where it's just not feasible for them to give up what the nationals ultimately want for him. And that I think the Cardinals are a more likely way to go there. I did put out there in a tweet that some newspaper in St. Louis had said that there had been a multitude of scouts in their stadium as of late Marlins are there, but that's kind of typical, uh, especially this time of year. guys are always scouting. It, it is their job to scout these guys, but I did see that a new seller has kind of hit the market today. I mean, 
kind of suspected that maybe they'd sell off their sellable assets, but well, there was a name I was a little surprised in there, the Mariners. They did say that hey, Oscar Hernandez is for sale. He's a free agent at the end of this year. He's in his final year of arbitration right now. Kind of suspected he could get traded. I had suggested that uh, privately amongst us a while back, but everyone said no just because well, there's not really a fit, which is understandable. But Ty France has been made available, which was one I did not really expect. But with the way that Garrett Cooper has been playing as of late and the news that the Marlins were in on Carlos Santana, another first baseman, could Ty France or anyone on Seattle's roster be an option? I know some of you listeners have suggested maybe Eugenio Suarez trying to get him to eat their, a little bit of the contract in Seattle, but I, I don't know how the Marlins could pull that one off. But what are your guys' thoughts of what Seattle might have to offer and if they could become a surprise seller here in the next couple of days? I did mention them, I think, last week. I circled Paul Seawald as one of the righty relievers that I liked, somebody that has a lot in common with David Robertson at this point. And as I mentioned before, I, I don't think they're now are, are interested in going that far for another righty reliever. But that was one that I thought was a really interesting fit. And unlike Robertson, he is the guy that had a year of control remaining beyond this year. So I'm curious to see. I'm curious to wonder, hang on, how far those conversations may have gotten on Seawald. Ty France is not, I mean, he's having a worse year than Cooper is, or roughly as bad. Um, I, he's a guy that obviously was very good as of last year, but so was Cooper as of last year. Um, and as an overall player, I, I like him a little bit more. And, of course, the big factor is he's controllable beyond this year. He is for 2024 and 2025 via arbitration. And he does have some versatility uh, to play other infield positions. Um, so that itself is a little useful when we're talking about third base just a moment ago. France is somebody who came up originally as that, I think, being his primary spot. And I would think that he could still play there in emergencies or slightly even more often than that. So he's somebody to keep in mind. Um, he just has not been performing this year. So I don't know why you really go uh, too far to get him. Uh, considering that especially of late is when he's really fallen off. You know, for most of the year, it was he was kind of in the range of his career norms. But this last month for France has been a disaster. So uh, I'd be up to the Marlins to take a really close look at him and see if they can figure something. They have an adjustment in mind on the fly for him. Otherwise, I don't really see that as a fit. I think you have to get even more creative. Um, uh, on their roster, I like the idea of, Eugenio Suarez more because he has the bigger raw power over there. He's the guy that's really good in scoring situations. Um, and he's a, he's a more natural third baseman than even France is. But that's the one that I'm not all that sure if he'd be available for them. Um, that, yeah, that's a little trickier because of the money that he's still owed, but also uh, the fact that the Mariners offense on its own is um, a little shaky moving forward. Like they don't want to, they're not in a position where they're super excited to trade away bats that are under contract, knowing that they'll need those guys next year to have a chance. So yes, yeah, so that's one that I don't know is, if is, he's quite as available at this moment, but Suarez would be to me a better fit for this Marlins team right now than France would be. Yeah. I was going to say, I'll, you know, I was looking out the stats and, and man, France has been struggling this past month. He's hitting under 200. It's it's not good. I think right now, if you're looking at Seattle, the, the name to look at is, is Gino, is the Eugenio Suarez. So 
I think that's the name to look at for Seattle. Um, obviously, I think the other name I saw pop up, and I have to look back. I, I think the last name is Ford. It was their catcher, and he has been pretty damn good for them. I'm going to go look now. Uh, Mike Ford, I believe. Is the Mike name. Ford is not a catcher. Mike Ford is a DH and an emergency first okay. baseman. All right, yeah, so Mike Ford was the name I saw, I think, on Twitter the other day. He's playing pretty well. Uh, 130 WRC+, plus, but doesn't get on base too much, strikes out at a higher rate. So that's the name I saw. I saw someone pop it up. I don't know exactly who, but I'll go. I'll have to find that one soon. But, yeah, that's the name I heard. I would like I like Cal, Cal Raleigh, obviously, uh, 26 years old. You have, I believe, their top prospect coming up soon. So, He's got uh, like five be... years of control. I, I don't think they'll trade. Yeah, him. but this guy's twenty six, Grant. I mean, just think of it like that. I mean, it would be peak value, but I don't like how much the Marlins would have to give up to get him. That that would be pretty expensive, given the fact that the catcher market is quite literally non-existent now. The Cubs aren't selling. It's like Elias Diaz, and like, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, that was just the names I'm looking at, you know, on Seattle. But aside from that, I think I think Gino's the way to go here. I can't think of another name. And I know Romeo's going to say Jose Caballero, who's his boy. But, uh, you know, I think Gino's well, the way to Once go we here. wrap up, we'll, we'll have to bring in Romeo. He's already requested. And he lost a possibility of dropping Shout out. He lost it because I don't think the Marlins are making any more trades. He also kind of got his... Hopes and dreams crushed by Craig last week, but it really doesn't make that much sense for the Rockies to, to trade him at this point, at least, unless someone overpays out the wazoo. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting interesting. We won't yap about trades too much more. I want to listen to what you guys have to, to say, and uh, we'll, we'll tell you if someone's possible or not, any positions of need, ways to attack it, potential trade packages. But real quick, we'll preview the week ahead. It could look a lot different this time next week. It could look a whole lot different this time next week. But it's where the schedule starts to get really, really, really tough. Four games set against the Phillies, which I believe is the most important series of the year. Marlins have played the Phillies very well as of late. And taking three out of four against the Phillies would be massive in the wild card race. I mean, a split would help you tread water 100%. I think all the Marlins really have to do is just go 500 from here on out, and their name is fair in the conversation. Some of these teams are sure to fall off, especially with flawed teams not really making too many moves. I think if the Reds don't go trade for a pitcher the next two days, they're going to completely fall off the face of the year. The Giants probably need some help. The Diamondbacks probably need some help. But then this weekend, very, very tough series against the most aggressive team at the deadline so far, Texas Rangers. Very, very nervous about that one. I think after these two trades, and depending on what they do the next couple of days, I think they may be my new AL pennant winner um, selection. I've got the Braves winning the World Series no matter what at this point. But the Rangers look pretty nice right now, and the Marlins have to go there for a three-game set this weekend. So anything you guys want to point out in terms of the current roster and what lies ahead this week? Tough week. Philly, Philly just, I think they got walked off today by the Pirates, if that's correct. Um, so, good for Miami. They're coming off a, a loss against Pittsburgh. But you have Edwards, Sandy, Brax, and Johnny Cueto going for for um, them for Miami this week. And then you've got to face, I guess, that top of the Phillies pitching staff. You have Ranger Suarez, Zach Willen, uh, Aaron Ola, and Tyrone Walker. So, 
in that first game, Tyone Walker game one. So tough game. Um, I believe when Philly came down here, Miami was fairly competitive, if I'm correct. They may have taken two out of three, but overall, you need to take this. This is a huge game, as you said, Grant. This, I think this game means more than what's coming up for the team after that, just given how how much implications this has on, the, on, on a wild card race. Because after this, after Tuesday, we're not going to be talking about, you know, this is an important game for the deadline. We're going to be talking about this is an important game for the wild card race and where Miami finishes if they end up making the, phone, the, the postseason. So that's how I see it as moving forward. Miami has finished, you know, put themselves in that buyer's market. And I think we should be talking more about how much this implicates for that wild card because you would love to see a wild card game played play here in Miami. And that's where they make the push for that first wild card, which they stood at for a long, long time. So um, let's see if I'm going to take it. I mean, they, they were able to beat Philly last season here, opening week. Um, you're able to take three out of four, I believe, against them. And hopefully they can do it again. So um, I usually fares well, fair decently well against Philly. So it should be a really good series. And I know Miami would have taken that game. I think they would have taken two out of three this, just a couple of weeks ago and before um, – Christian Pache hit the homer on Puck. Uh, and real quick, before we get Eli's thoughts, I do want to point out what you did say that, yeah, whatever happens this weekend kind of happens, but you definitely got to get some up on the Phillies. I think as long as you escape Arlington, Texas with one win, I'd be happy. Well, even if you lose two out of three, I think I'd be happy, depending on what happens against the Phillies. Take three out of four against the Phillies, you're smooth sailing. You can afford to lose the Rangers series as long as you don't get swept. That after that, if you want to really look ahead, they go to Cincinnati, which I think the Barlins would match up a lot better with the Reds than they did earlier in the season back when both teams didn't really have any playoff aspirations. The Reds were in legit rebuild mode, and the Reds took two out of three against the Marlins. So I think this time around, it's going to go a little bit different. I, I do think the Marlins would probably beat up on the Reds this time, but you can't look too far ahead, I guess, in that. In, in this perspective, I'm trying to play head-to-head matchups, but it is definitely a true statement to say the Marlins have a very, very tough road ahead. If you want to even look even further past the Reds, you got Yankees, Astros, Dodgers back, back, back. So, Eli, what, what do you think about this week coming ahead? I think you have been talking about this for a long time. You, Mr. Look Ahead to the tough part of the schedule. It's finally here. We finally reached a point where it's, yeah, the, the competition is as tough as anybody. I think statistically, the strength of schedule for the Marlins in August and beyond is as tough as any other team in baseball. This is where they get tested. And I, I got a message from one of our followers, Chris Miola, and he wanted me to kind of just address the reality that this Marlins team, even though they've been winning games, I, I think anybody looking at it objectively would say teams that they're neck and neck with in this wild card race, and probably the Phillies more so than all of them, those teams have superior overall talent and depth to this point. I think the Phillies, for one, they do, um, especially when it starts at their rotation. Their rotation is deeper than the Marlins, or at least deeper in guys that you would trust the rest of this year, whereas the Marlins have a couple of young guys that uh, you don't know exactly what you're going to get from them as they reach innings totals that they've never pitched before. But going yeah, going all the way through their lineup uh, and the all the way from the top to the bottom of their lineup, they have guys that can do damage on this Phillies team. And they've reached this point, even with some guys that are have been underperforming for them to this point in the year. Um, like this is where things get really tested. This is where the Marlins magic to this point in the season 
where it's going to be really hard for them to to fake it and to get past these games against teams that have really deep rosters against teams that can like shut you down. There are fluked games like yesterday where the Marlins get shut down in a bullpen game, but there are also certain matchups and like the Phillies being one of them that they have actual like starting pitching talent that could really silence this team for an extended period of time. Um, this is, this, yeah, this is where you're really tested where thankfully they've made some moves to this point, but it's all these other teams are about to face. All these other teams are going to be buying over the next couple of days as well. The Phillies are going to add to their roster. That's the one guarantee with Dave Dombrowski as your GM. They're going to continue adding talent. The Rangers have been uh, have been a team that were good as they were, and yet they've made as many they've done more than any other team in baseball so far during this deadline season to continue to like like build up talent on their team. We'll see if Scherzer lines up to face the Marlins during that series. I'd say it's a pretty good chance that he does at some point. Um, they're going against teams that are already good and that are going to continue to get better. And for this Marlins team, that they're making the moves that they have the capital to make, but also they're going to be so reliant on these guys coming back from injury from uh, for Avi and for Jazz. They're going to be so reliant on those guys to be the best versions of themselves. So far, so good with Avi and with Jazz. We think that's just any day now that he'll be back as well. Those guys are going to be so crucial to this Marlins team just because in Jazz in particular, there's nobody on nobody available on the trade market offensively that in as an overall position player that I think is going to be as impactful as simply getting Jazz back into the mix. So a lot of things are going to have to go right for this team to make the playoffs. And it is a possibility, but um, yeah, they, they're simply going to have to play better than they have to this point in the season. Even though it feels like they've overachieved, they are going to have to dig down deep and perform even better moving forward. So for fan graphs, the Marlins are going to have um, to face in Texas Montgomery Dunny our favorite guy, Dunning, and uh, John Gray. So they would, for now, escape Max Church. Obviously, that that could change any minute, but that's what it looks like, and it would be Luzardo, Cabrera, Sandy for that series. So I think Fangraphs had Yuri starting this week, so I don't know how much he Yeah, I, I know. I, I would look at it with a light grain of salt, but, you know. Well, I love my guys. Dane Dunning, man. That, that's my main guy, you know. That, you know that, that's only, a only you two know. I love Dane Dunning. What, what a guy. All right. That's enough of us. Unless any of you guys have parting thoughts, interrupt me. But we're going to go to fan questions now. Waited a little longer to do it today, but I've been very, very excited. I want to hear your thoughts about the trade market and what the rest of the season has in store. First, consider becoming a super subscriber, super follower, whatever you want to call it. We do it directly on our site now, fishonfirst.com, and it's just a base of $3 a month. But what are you paying for? All access to everything Fish on first. You get all sorts of benefits. All access to our gift database, giveaways, prizes. You can play fantasy sports with us. Romeo, who we're about to bring in here, won our fantasy football league. We have our own fantasy baseball league. It's only for the super subscribers. We've got, uh, we do all sorts of giveaways. Like I said, I think we've given away tickets a couple times this year. It ends up paying for itself. Uh, you get to do prediction time with us. And I made serious predictions for every series. Might be a little too late to catch up to the top of the leaderboard now, but next year, if you, if you win, you get a pretty cool prize. Our guy, Daniel Rodriguez, last year got a cool Williams Estadio shirt, and he still rocks a lot. So 
definitely worth it 100 percent and um and you can also get the game notes for every game i call it the lions bible all sorts of great information there i will definitely be looking forward to reading those in a couple of weeks when the Marlins come to my hometown of Cincinnati. I will be there. I got the credential email today, by the way. But the reason why we bring this up during these spaces is because one of the benefits also is you get first priority to speak in these spaces. And it really came through last week if you were here listening to Craig. And uh, you got your question to Craig. It definitely pays for itself. Again, it's a base of $3 a month. If you're feeling generous, you can donate more. Most of the super subscribers do donate more. Uh, so we appreciate all you guys who have already done it. If you're even thinking about it, just go to fishonfirst.com. It should be in, in the tab. Um, Eli can maybe direct you. So we're bringing in Romeo now. Uh, again, any one of you guys can request to speak in these space. You don't have to be a super subscriber. Uh, we want to hear from everyone, whether you're a Marlins fan, just a baseball fan in general. We're all baseball fans first and foremost. So uh, Romeo was in here. Well, let's hear it tonight. No Justin Lawrence, so he will not be a Marlon, it seems. Well, um, Ro- wait, before Romeo says anything, Romeo, I have to apologize to you. I meant to come back in and, and, and give you a high five earlier today, and I didn't, and I apologize. It's all right. I, I only wanted to ask you how your Sabbath was. It was all right. There you go. Um, how you guys doing, first and foremost? Um, happy yeah. Sunday. Um, I joined like halfway through. I just got home from work. Um, a name that is kind of underrated. I still don't think the Red Sox are going to go far, if I'm going to be honest. Even though they got my favorite player in the league and, um, Rafi Devers. Um, uh, Chris Martin is the name. I feel like two-year contract. They're not getting, they're not parting with him. Oh. Lewis, he's been too crucial Lewis for them. They're not parting with him. Yeah, I figured. But Lewis loves him, though. I will tell you that. Lewis is a big fan of him. That's a great name to bring up. But I do think that at this point, Boston, I think they'll try to go for it, especially now that the Yankees look like they're done. Uh, shambles. Yeah, it's not good. So, you know, uh, it's a good name. I, I, I do agree with you. It's a great name, actually. I, I, I don't think he walks almost anybody. So that's... That's someone who we were all, I know Eli, Lewis, and I, when we did the the off-season videos with the shopping list, that was a name that we had um, on there because just the the ability to strike out guys and just not walk guys is is huge. And, you know, when I I say not walk, he barely walks guys. He walked like 10 guys in total last season. So um, that's a great, you know, great name, but I just don't think he's getting dealt this season. And if Boston doesn't end up going for him, he's going to be crucial, as Noah said. Yeah. Anything Another, else? Um, how much? I actually got to look at his contract. Hold on, one second. Who I was talking about. Who is it? Mitch Peller. I figured that he's not going to be on that team either. Mitch Peller. I I I just don't think they can afford a starter with that many years of control. Meaning, in terms of the prospect capital it would take to acquire Keller, he's he's had a really good year. If he was somebody like this that had one year of club control remaining or less, then maybe. But it's going to be, it'd have to take a lot of creativity to get the value that the Pirates want um, with him. I did see that they were willing to listen on him, considering how many of the other starters on this market are 
rentals, you know, he would he'd bring back a huge return. Uh, I I feel like if he was, they're really motivated to move him. They're just going to get outbid. Like they just don't. I don't know who would be the centerpiece going back to the Pirates that can compete with a traditional top prospect that this Marlins team just doesn't have at the moment. Yeah. So on Mitch Keller, real quick. I, my apologies. I had to take a quick break, but. Uh... I explored the possibility. I almost wrote an article on him until I realized just how valuable he's going to be. That's a high price to pay, like Eli said. But like Eli said, you also get creative. Maybe you do pay that high price right now, and you look at the deal one of the other starters, the offseason, once everyone's healthy, you don't really have to worry about like managing innings and that kind of thing. Um, maybe you include one of them in said package, um, preferably like Ember Cabrera or Trevor Rodgers, which I don't know what any of their um, – but their values are at this point, but it's a, it's a decent idea. Yeah. I figured that more people would be here and I could talk about next year. It's, there's never, it's never not too late to talk about next year. So you can go ahead. I will, I, I will just say that I'm very, still very, very, very concerned about Trevor Rogers. Like very concerned. The fact that he's, I, I think he's done for the year. And I, I know he's done for the year, but what is going on with him? Is is my is is my big question right now? Yeah. Well, he hasn't pitched since he got hurt, and like he hasn't early, thrown. He's still a no throw. He's still a no throw. He was about to he was about to return, and then he hurt his non throwing shoulder, and he's a no throw still. Yeah. yeah. That that is concerning, especially. You know, and he's, he's there. He's at the ballpark almost like every day, and everything. So. You know. Yeah. Uh, so back to what I was going to say. Um, if you do end up getting rid of um, Victor Mesa Jr. this season, a name you could look at, he's, he's going to be a little bit pricey, right, for next year, but he would instantly become one of our top prospects when it comes to hitting. If they do get rid of any control center field, uh, Jose Ramos. Uh, Panamanian out of the do- from the Dodgers. He's in their double A right now. Has like twenty six bombs, I believe. Some somewhere up there. It's up, I believe. I know it's double digits. I just don't know how many, how much it is. Um, he's fast. I watched him in during WBC, like I did with Lawrence. Um, his I his swing. It, it, it's not the worst, but it could be a little bit better. He didn't have the greatest WBC. I, he could have had a little bit better. Um. But he's a name that if if you're willing to try and get your, I know like I said, there's it's he's gonna be a little bit pricey. He's gonna be pricier than most than most. I know he was one of their top prospects. But if you're gonna if there if someone like that can get up on the market, not this year, but like in the off season, that would be a name I'd look at. If, from the Dodgers. If you're trying to update. Ramos from uh, the Dodgers, right? Right, Romeo. Yeah, yeah, Jose Ramos. Okay. Okay. Made my life a lot easier there. I mean, if you're gonna go for, I, I think I'll be more of an off-season type of thing. Yeah. When yeah. it comes to he like, you know, getting, getting... Year. He, he did. Okay. Okay. I was blanking on totally. Yeah, I like the player. Right. Of all the also just got hurt. I think I seen that he was hurt. I don't know how old that was. I just see that. If all, uh, if I felt so bad for him. And then, like twenty minutes later, the Texans, the Texans, the, the Rangers traded for um. This guy Jordan Montgomery, so <laughs> that's funny. 
Yeah, I still hope. I hope Evaldi recovers though. He was having a great year. Sorry, I'm conversation for sure. He was somebody I thought. Yeah. I was. I, I thought possibly that the Red Sox would go after him and bring him back there, but now that he's hurt, and now that the Rangers, well, the Rangers and, also, and now that the Rangers are literally buying everything and anything that moves. I mean, they weren't even going to trade him in the first place. Like, I think were, I just got traded to the Rangers. They, they, they're they literally buying every place all year. I don't think they were ever going to trade him. Imagine they get Condelario. I, I obviously don't need him, but that'd be pretty funny. I don't know where you even play him because you got Young at third. You have Young, yeah. I, guess I don't know who their shortstop is. You got Simeon at second, like. Yeah, I mean, they're DH. I forget who they usually use as DH, but like, that's Carver. one of the deepest. Mitch, Mitch Carver, that's one of the deepest um, lineups in all of baseball. May, that, that might be the, the deepest today. lineup in the AL. They lost to the Padres today, so look at that. They got they swept go by the Padres. Yeah, the Padres are They put themselves back in the buyer's market. So that yeah. removes another option for Miami and uh, Snell. Like the, the Cubs and Padres getting hot now was terrible for most of the buyers. Oh, that was the worst thing that could happen to the buyer market. This is 100% a seller market. They're going to be overpaying. It's going to happen. That's why it was genius to get David Robinson while they did. I don't even know what that price I mean, is now. What did you guys keep that grade? I, th- I, th- I, th- I don't think that either, either um, Hernandez or uh, Vargas are going to end up on the Mets. I think I've been saying this for a while. I think they're going to end up getting traded, especially now that they got Luis Angel uh, Acuna. That blocks like three positions for him, with, even with um with Jeff McNeil there. Who knows how long Jeff McNeil is going to be there, but you know Steve Cohen gives money out to everybody, so I, I, I figured I'm not going to look. I love the Luis and uh, the Acuna and getting him. That, that was a pretty nice size. That farm system, that farm system is going to get a lot better this uh, this deadline if, if they make if, if they trade who we think they'll trade. So that's all we. Although can they say trade right really now, but, yeah. the Astros, they probably aren't going to get much because the Astros system is horrid. It's not that good. Yeah, I don't think. I think it was great this year. I don't think I don't think Verlander gets dealt though. Apparently, he really really likes New York. So, it's a we'll lot see. of it's money. Okay. It's also a lot of money that he's owed. He's also yeah, forty. Like right. he's old enough to be a lot of people's listening stat. And he chooses where he goes. That's totally the thing too. He has that trade clause. So, no. He probably set the trade that the Houston. I've seen some Reds rumors. I've also heard of some in Cincinnati, but uh, I don't know. But you live in Cincinnati. Long. That's why. Would you trade Marte for him? That's also a tough one. I think you trade Christian Arroyo because that dude's not going to be up until like 2025. And that doesn't really fit the Reds' mold. I've been saying for a while they need to trade guys like Arroyo and Cam Collier and uh, trade some of the guys who are not going to be up that quick. Because Marte realistically could be on the opening day roster in 2024. So that, that would be yeah, a big pony up move. He's what, third base now? Since he have Elliott at short? Here's a good thing about what the Reds have done. They've acquired so many short stops, a.k.a. the best defensive position in the infield, and you can just play him anywhere. So they, I think he can play That's second. Right. I think he can play third. 
It's Bell, like with the Mar. It's like with the Marlins playing second baseman in left field. My guy. Except the, the Reds have a bunch of really, really athletic fielders. I'll say this: the Reds are in a great position because they have so many infielders that they could trade some for, like you know, some really, really good starting pitching. It wouldn't shock me if they got Flaherty or one of these guys on the open market right now when it comes to the trades. Sorry, we got we got to get moving. With, with yeah, but wrapping up. You got anything else? I just saw like two requests coming at once. We got to get it going. Nah. Uh, oh, um, is it true that uh, Salas got sent down to SEO? You did. He did. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he did. What a move by Kim. I mean, that was, was like that was the Marlins number two. I yeah. Second the time they traded him. Which one? Three. No, he wasn't. He wasn't two or three. He was like top five. But I, I don't. Well, think he, he was, I swear to God, he was. I think it was Maybe three. Alex was. You know what? I'll look it up myself. Even oh, Marcus was what a really move getting rid of really at that time and getting that trade over the finish line because that, that was quite literally the best thing they could have gotten for Abel Lopez. So, Romeo, thank you. Got to get him to move on here. Um, we are going to uh, let's go with Devin. Let's go with Devin. Devin was speaking when JJ Bleday got traded, so. Any trades happen right Let's now? See. Thank you. Yeah. You're right. Hey, guys. Um, I've just been looking up some names. You know, it's tough to try to predict this stuff and throw out potential trades. But um, I've been really looking at the Mets lately. Um, so the Mets have Mark Vientos and Pete Alonso. You know, he's only got next year. I think that could be a good under-the-radar uh, type of guy. He's, you know, not necessarily, like, available, available, but if the Marlins want to overpay, maybe that could work. I just that, that's like that's, that's, that's more than an overpay. Well, I think that, no. Well, well, that's two years. That's all he's got. They have not made his name available. I don't believe he will get traded because the Mets are still trying to compete next year. I think Pete Alonso is a guy they would like to extend they probably can't afford an extension. Well, no, they can't afford an extension. It's Steve Cohen, crying out loud. But it would take a lot. Yeah, you solidify first base for the next year and a half. But what do you do after that? I don't think the Marlins are going to extend Pete Alonso. Those interdivision trades are just so, so tricky. You've already given up two of your best FCL prospects. They were now getting national attention. Everyone thinks Marco Vargas is Jesus, even though our guy Alex Parker was all over that the last couple of months. But it would cost a lot. It would be very, very risky. But there's no question whether Pete Alonso would help the team because he would make the team infinitely better. Yeah, but I, don't I will say that. Shot. I I think the Mets end up just extending him, and with Vientos, I think he's going to be a piece that the Mets will want moving forward. So I doubt that won't happen soon. I just want to say this morning I was a guest on the Talking Mets podcast, so we were going through the Robertson trade and the prospects. <laughs> And he brought up unprompted. He pitched the idea of Pete Alonso to the Marlins. But do you know who he wanted back for Pete Alonso? Yuri. Yuri. Wanted Yuri. So that's that's not going anywhere. Yeah. I don't. I don't think there's a match there with that team. But yeah, I do suspect that he'll be extended with the Mets. They absolutely adore him there. He he had he's been in the midst. He was recently in the midst of maybe the worst slump of his career, but he has since pounded out of that. You know, he's a when all things considered, he's going to hit 40 home runs every single year. They're going to keep him, but they could get creative with some of the other guys. 
um, on their roster. It is interesting that the Marlins and Mets have now hooked up on three different trades just in the Kim Eng era alone. And so I would expect that that relationship is strong and they've done several different types of deals with each other. Um, that whole, that old philosophy of not trading in your division, I think that's outdated at this point with the way that baseball has changed a little bit. Now that you can get into the postseason so easily as a wild card, now that you play head to head a lot less often than you used to under the old format. Um, yeah, you should always be very, don't rule out any trades within the division moving forward. Um, in my opinion. What else we got, Devin? I'm going to have you speak as long as possible in hopes we get a trade. <laughs> um, no, I was looking at some other names. You know, you have Candelario. Um, I was trying to think of a package for to have uh, Candelario and maybe Patrick Corbin um, with money, obviously. Um, maybe Mel. Patrick Corbin? Some. Yeah. Patrick Corbin? How old is he? He's still kicking. He's still throwing. He's flown a little under the radar. Five oh seven. He's actually been okay. Uh, I mean, if five oh seven ERA is okay, then jeez. He's had some decent starts. He's gotten blown up a lot. Yeah, His blow up percentage is probably the worst in the league. He gets when, when it rains, of course. But yeah. I'm just trying to look at more. I, I do like Candelario. I I I really like Candelario. If my if they were still looking for relievers, I really like the name Kyle Finnegan. I know he's been a name that's been brought up a couple of times. I was he's been pretty good for the most part. That no, was I the name I, I knew. You, I knew you really wanted. I did really want Kyle Finnegan last year. Yeah, and this year I know I, I was gonna bring him up, but he was like Ugh. he was like nah. there were better names out there, obviously. So, and then I guess if you look at starters, much. Most of them are under control for this team, but I gotta be honest with Cueto coming back and pitching like he has, and you're gonna have Yuri back for September. And oh you've got I know what's happening I, here. It, it, no, do you really need to go for another for another yes. starter? Yeah, yes, 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 100%. Okay, fine. No, I, I, I will I, shut up. Okay, I get it. Cueto will not sustain us. Hopefully, he will, though. One of, one of them gets hurt. Like, Edward Herrera is... So no, no, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. You got Braxton and Lazardo at uh, their career highs. But, yeah, like, we, we've lectured you enough. We'll, we'll spare you. But one thing that's... I get enough, I get enough lecturing in the chat. It is what it is. The, um, there was one name. They did get brought up in our little comments section here. Uh, if you go down to the bottom right, the comments to see kind of what people are saying. I can't get to everyone at the same time, so I like to read through those. Lane Thomas was suggested. I like him a lot. He's having a really good year, but he comes with some control. And with how clogged the Marlins' corner outfield spots are, especially with Abby coming back now, it gets really, really tough. But I really like Lane Thomas. He would make the team a lot better, but I don't see a path to get him. At least I really want to see a trade. As, as do I. Even in just an MLB trade. I don't care. Let me just get some sort of trade during these spaces so we can just react. I think of maybe doing it the spaces Tuesday. Maybe even do one tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. But, Devin, is that all you've got? We've got some requests piled up now. Uh, I did want to mention, you know, we talk about trades and acquiring, acquiring. You know, what happens with the guys that you have? If you acquire an outfielder, what happens to Sanchez and, um, you know, DLC when, when 
Jazz comes back, and the same thing with the infield. You know, you get a third baseman, first baseman. Who's going to take Cooper? You know, like what's actually going to happen with those guys? Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about too, Devin. When when it comes to specifically to Cooper, because obviously he's kind of shown he's shown his inconsistencies in terms of playing time, and Yuli's been good. You have Troy Johnson and AAA. Obviously, those are names that you would say I want them over Cooper, but you know, Cooper is on a one year deal. The likeliness of him returning is low. I don't think he will come back. To be honest with you. And um, trading him now would make a lot of sense. That you know, especially since Miami was in on Carlos Santana, we still haven't mentioned that too much. The fact that they were in on Santana means that they were looking at first baseman on that market. And I know that is something Joe mentioned on the on Fish Unfiltered, which I highly suggest you all look to, to watch or listen. However, you get your Fish Stripes con- Fish on First content. Um, so that that's something else that really needs to be mentioned. That the fact that you they are looking at first baseman. They, they don't feel comfortable with the, the Cooper Yuli scenarios that they have unless, uh, as Eli, I believe, mentioned on the last basis, that they're going to fulfill what what was said early on when they brought in Yuli, that they were going to put him at second, the third, and they were going to try him out of different positions, which I personally disagree with that happening. But in that case, you would have Cooper and said first baseman on the roster. If, if you decide to keep Cooper, if you trade him, I mean, that would be pretty nice. I, I, I would think you would get a pretty decent package of, of prospects kind of to help you with your system. Obviously, in the buyer's market, market you, I mean, the, the terms for Miami, who's buying, you wouldn't want to do that, but I don't think the trade could have yeah. And additionally, there's that new rumor today from Randy Miller at AJ, NJ Advanced Media that the Marlins, like, validating the rumor about Glaber Torres and that the plan the Marlins won is they want Glaber Torres to be their second baseman. And they're ready to move a rise to first base, which again would signal that Cooper is likely the odd man out uh, of that, of, of the team of the roster. If they were to make that move, they're not going to carry Cooper and Guriel. If Arise is going to be the primary first baseman there. Um, so that, that trade seems like somewhat of a long shot because it's contingent on the Yankees making a separate move. Their offense is just as much a concern as the Marlins is. So it's kind of contingent on them acquiring a bat at a different position, probably in their outfields to like move things around and make that sensible. So it's still a long shot. I would say it's happened at the deadline. It just is further in that line of thinking that they are not satisfied with first base and they shouldn't be because these guys, um, the Cooper and Guriel combination, it's, you know, it's been passable, but it's still below average. You need a lot of offense at first base to keep up with these other teams around the league. And with Guriel, he doesn't slug. And with Cooper, he's doing a decent number slugging this year, but he's not getting on base. He's just like a 300 OBP and a lot of non-productive outs too when he's not getting on base. His strikeout rate is through the roof, especially recently with Cooper. You know, today's home run aside on a hanging breaking ball, um, I mean, that was, that was a huge moment for him. And if I was to bet, I would think that they're going to end up adding a bat at a different position, not first base, and that Cooper is going to still be here. But it is like it's a very valid possibility that he could be moved. And I disagree with what Kevin said that they would get a decent thing in return. I don't think they get much of anything in return for Cooper if they trade him right now. He's not good. He's not a good overall player this year, especially not recently. He's been a league average hitter overall, which is well below average for first base. He doesn't run. He doesn't play defense and he doesn't, he doesn't stay on the field and he's a pending free agent. Um, Like it would, they would get perhaps one. They would take a flyer on like a lottery ticket prospect and they would save the money left on his salary. But his value is not where it was last year when last year they were 
had conversations about trading him. I remember the Astros being a candidate. Um, they at least listened on Cooper at this time a year ago when he was a better player and when he still had an extra year of control to go. So with him, um, I think they would be ready to simply cut their losses if they feel that they can make a really tangible upgrade to that infield, either by directly acquiring a first baseman or by acquiring somebody that moves a rise into first base. I mean, Leela, I think of it like this. This is a seller's market, as we mentioned, and if you trade Coop, they would get something. I know he hasn't been that good, but there's times where he's looked really good this year, and... I, I think that team would take a flyer on Cooper and they would kind of fix him up. I, obviously, I think they would get a decent package. I don't think it'll be anything, you know, blockbuster type, but they would get something good. I don't think it'll be a flyer type prospect, like you said. But, you know, that we have different opinions. Yeah, I'm just looking around the league and which of these buyers needs first baseman? Which, none of these buyers are going to play him every day at first base. That's for sure. But I guess... You're really digging down on it. Maybe a team like the Twins would use him a lot at first base. They just had Alex Kirilov go on the IL, and they've kind of had a rotating cast at first base. But you really have to like read. It's it's hard to find a fit that would actually use him a lot as anything close to an everyday player. And again, a pending free agent. You know, even if it is a seller's market, that's one position. First base is not first base DH. Those guys are not in as much demand as actual starting pitchers are. So, so he'd be what's I mean, I guess the only comp is Carlos Santana because we just saw Santana move to the Brewers, but Santana's better this year. He's a better defender and he's a he's getting a better overall hitter. He's just a better player. And he's in the same situation as the pending free agent. So yeah, you'd look at the Santana deal and then lower your expectations for what the return would be based on that. Mixing up Chichi with somebody else. Chichi Gonzalez is just that um that triple A starter who's not even pitching particularly well in Jacksonville. Okay. Okay, because I saw him on the 40 man and I and then I saw him on the on the DL. Um so I was wondering we're talking about like uh Puck struggling and he's now moved down to at least the sixth or the seventh in terms of the depth relief. Right. And so I know Bender is really up there at 97 in fastball, but I've really never heard of like or seen Chi-Chi. But um, thank you for uh, letting me know that. Um, 
What I'll say quickly is other relievers that are on the way back is Andrew Nardi is all about to come back in the next couple of days. And then also Tommy Nance is the one that's been on the IL all year. And he showed some flashes in the bullpen late last season. He's finally progressing and on a rehab assignment. I don't know if there's room for him on the big league roster. I don't know if there's a role for Tommy Nance, but he's a guy that would be ready to pitch in the next couple of weeks if they feel that he's actually uh, an, an improvement over what they have. That may be what you're talking about, by the way, sure. Tommy Nance. Yeah, I saw him on the IL as well. Um, yeah, and I, I know he was uh, scheduled to come back. Now, I don't really have any trade ideas, but I do think, I'm thinking from, um, I guess, a perspective more of Kim Hank, in that if you get Jazz back and you, and you get Avi to play his way into the, the into the management liking him, you know, I, I think that that bodes well because I think Jazz is going to come back and continue to be hot. Um, that may, Jazz alone may add one and a half runs to this Marlins team in terms of betting and, and uh, you know, advanced stats. But also, if, if uh, Garcia can stay hot, I think he, we, we can be able to um, even move Cooper after the trade, um, after the deadline. I, I don't think Cooper has a place here anymore, and I don't think we're going to fool around with using Jesus at first base, but I think Jesus will luckily last um, because we got uh, rights to him next year. Um, also, because I'm thinking, <clears throat> Kim is thinking that the hitters we desire is coming back to us that we already have, as opposed to trading for one. I, I would like Candelario. I would also like um, to look at maybe the um, the guy from Goldsmith or even their, th- um, their third baseman, St. Louis's third baseman. But realistically, if we're getting back Jazz and Avisel stays hot, um, then all we need is the bullpen. We can tuck puck away. Uh, until he proves himself again. And like you said, you have Lance coming back. You have <clears throat> Nardi coming back. Um, all, already you can see that. Uh, I forgot the the, uh, the guy who now pitches the eighth inning for us, the lefty. He's looking good. Um, and um, obviously Roberts. Roberts is a veteran guy. Thing. I like him in the closer position. And um, Jorge, uh, I think he pitched well in his uh, debut tonight. But, um, yeah, so there's a lot to look forward to in terms of the hitters that we desire to help this team coming back. Are your thoughts on that? Anyone there? All right, I guess I'll take it. I mean... Uh, it's particularly with Nance, I guess. I, I just don't think he's that good. But the Marlins do have some good internal options. And, and like you said, I mean, they can tread water with the guys they've got. But at the end of the day, I think it's just treading water. But uh, Alex Carver's got his hands up. He's got him. Oh, I was going to ask a separate question and let you finish your thoughts. So go ahead. Go ahead, Grant. I mean, that's kind of my thought. I mean, you can hype up the guys on the roster all you want. But at the same time, it's a very 
very flawed roster. So uh, the answer's not on the roster really with anything right now, whether it be the bullpen, the rotation, or the lineup. Uh, the Marlins have to make moves the next two days. It's, like, it's kind of making me a little pissed off how people are saying, well, if you get Jazz back and you get Abby playing good, it's like getting two new acquisitions. I mean, not really. The guys were already on the roster. They haven't been playing that good. Like They would, they would just be playing up to their potential. And even then, I still don't think this is a playoff team. The Marlins have to go make moves in the next couple of days if they want to make the playoffs. This team in its current seat, even if you get Jazz back, and even if you throw Yuri in there, I still don't think they make the playoffs with what lies ahead. The Marlins haven't been good against teams over 500 this year. And nothing will change if the Marlins don't make any moves. Yeah, you have to be as exciting as it is, I suppose, to have these injured players all getting healthy at the same time. What's stopping somebody else from getting injured in August and September? Even though it feels like a well-rounded team at this exact moment, more injuries are inevitable. That's just the reality of it. And when they don't happen for a period of time, that's a good problem to have, but that's where minor league options come into play. That's when you get really creative. Um, realistically, you, you have to anticipate that you have to be prepared for the for the likelihood that there are going to be more injuries that make it – that hurt your depth at different positions. And that's why buyers team, when teams are really determined to make the playoffs, they add more than 26 good major leaguers on their roster at the same time, because they anticipate that some of those guys are, are not all going to be available at the exact same time. And I would say to answer your question, even though at this moment, I'd say the outfield is in decent shape, or you could, you could be hopeful about the outfield looking uh, with the pieces they already have, the infield is still just not good enough. They still have to be creative and aggressive there. And if they can find an above average infielder, whether it is at third or at first or at second, that moves a rise to first base, anything, like any infielder, even, and of course at short stuff as well, if one of those magically comes available, they need to be turning over every rock they can in the infields because, and then make adjustments from there um, because that they're just not getting enough offense from those positions right now. Sharif's had his hands up. Let him finish his thought. Alex Carver said he's got a question before we bring in the next person. I'll let Alex get his question. So, Sharif, what else you got? Yeah, I was I was just, uh, I agree. Um, but nothing is stopping, like, Jorge Soler um, from learning how to stay away, you know, from that inside pitch below his knees. I think if he can start to come around, I think it would be imperative uh, then if you stick Jazz at, at the third spot for them to actually pitch to Solaire because I think that's what was happening when we had when we were hot with Jazz. They had to pitch to Solaire because Lewis started walking more. And that's important to 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 for Arias to walk if he's not getting something that he can hit. I think when Jazz got hurt he started to try and hit everything that, you know, and he could he could have taken more walks. Um but you're going to have to pitch to Soler because Jazz is there. And then if Abyssal is going to, you know, be hitting the ball all over the yard, I'd stick him there in four. And um, I easily put De La Cruz at five. But my thing is that's never going to happen because they're never healthy together. So, yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, we're going to Alex. He's definitely going to ask a, a question to Eli and, and Kevin. We'll let that happen then. We got a lot of requests. We got to work a little efficiently here. But uh, Alex, go ahead. 
Well, if you have a ton of requests, now I feel bad. Damn it, Grant. Why you got to make me feel bad like that, bro? Yeah, I mean, it's save the fish, man. It's save the fish. Maybe, Our numbers maybe. are going up every week. That's thanks to you guys. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I'll be brief because I know we want to bring in the people. It's not about us. It's about you guys. So, again, thank you guys for the support. But I want to ask Eli something really quick. Uh, Eli printed something yesterday after after Jake Eater's start. Uh, maybe you guys already covered this. I don't know. But Eli printed something, uh, I think, this morning on, on Fish on First about – uh, Jake Eater and his start last night where he did really well uh, in terms of the, the stats. Um, I think in like 5.2 innings with 10 strikeouts. Looked really good. I think this was, in my opinion, his best start since he's been back from injury. But I don't think Eli was that impressed. So, um, Eli, I mean, man, he was up to 95. It looked pretty good to me. Um, you printed something today that you, you, you don't think this was as dominant as he can be. Um, I would tend to agree with you. I think this guy could be even a little bit better than this. But I thought that was a damn good start from him last night uh, to showcase him, himself to uh, scouts that may have been in the building in Pensacola. But, man, what do you got? Um, expand on that, please. I'd like to hear it. Or maybe he's not there. You were thinking about Eli, bro. You intimidated him. He shook. He shook. You are he's lead. probably you're walking a dog or something. It's okay. I can ask later. It's okay. Um, yeah, just not, go ahead and ask privately. I'm sure we'll yeah, he's not there. It's okay. I, I, need, I know you need to get on to uh, to people that want to ask questions, the fans that want to ask questions. We'll, so, we'll uh, get LMF in here. We yeah, have a subscriber. I'll have to connect him now. I hate the awkward moment when someone's connecting and we don't have, like, an active discussion. There he is. There he is. All right. LMF. How are we tonight? What's your question, man? All right, doing all right. Uh, last night, it was mentioned in a fantasy trade, uh, Jordan Walker for Yuri Perez. Um, I put a poll up, poll just closed, at 196 votes. Uh, 92% of the voters say that you keep Yuri and you don't trade for Jordan Walker. Just wanted to point that out. Um, I do have a question, though. This is Carver Joint, so... This is more on his, on his level, I guess. Um, September 1st, if the roster is as it is today, and Yuri's up already, uh, which two players fill the 28-man roster at that time? Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead. Um, Kevin, I know we'll probably share the same sentiment. Troy Johnston is definitely one that has to be up. 100%, no question in my mind. Troy Johnston is, is a guy that needs to be on the, on the big league team. As soon as possible. Um, so that's one. Kevin, you want to give the other one? I'll let you go ahead on this. Another one. I've only thought of Troy Johnson, bro. Do you have another name? I'll let you go for the next one, and we'll probably agree on that one, too. Uh, I mean, if he's still here, you can go Monteverde. Uh, I would definitely say he, he would yeah. be yeah. as well. Um, but then, as, as LMF said, if Yuri's back, um, then where do you put him? Um, are there multiple spots in the rotation? Um I, I would tread on the on the. Well, it depends what happens at the deadline. But I, even right now, unless I you want to bring another, unless you want to bring him an, another reliever, that would be Sean Reynolds. Well, yeah. that that's pretty good. I've got a suggestion since Eli's not there that he would enjoy Sean Reynolds. I mean, yeah, Sean Reynolds. absolutely. He's already on the forty man too. I think still right. Troy Johnson. Pretty easy. I will say this. Troy Troy Johnson is a must. If that guy's not up when the twenty when the rosters expand. There's an issue. But the other name I want to bring up, and unlikely, but Will Banfield, that's someone who I would love to see up in the big leagues very soon. Very good arm. Uh, 
good defensively, very good bat this season. Someone I would I would really like to see. My only my only record. My only reservation is Xavier Edwards is another one. My my only reservation with Banfield would be something like. How do you get him into games with with Fortes and Stalling? Yeah, right. That so, is true. That's that would true. be my reservation. But yeah, Edwards is a good one. Johnston is the obvious one for sure. Um, and then I would I would say um, Reynolds uh, definitely deserves it, and he's on the forty man, so there's ease of access there, right? So um, yeah, there's there's a few guys you can point to um, in AAA, some in Double A, Monteverde if he's still here for sure. Um, so there's there's a there's a few guys pushing their way that that could that could earn that call. Now, Eli, you, you sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm not a fan of this question, uh, to be frank with you. But one thing I would point out uh, to me, a pretty obvious player that if you had expanded rosters, I would call up Austin Allen because you, you get you get no power, you get no run production whatsoever from your catchers all year long. If you have an extra roster spot then you give it to a guy that has the potential to hit a three-run home run and that can catch, you know, once you bring him into the game in the later innings if you need to. That's that's often, not always, but that's frequently a way that teams go with extra roster spots is they bring up a third catcher. And with this Marlins team, like, it's even more obvious because their catchers can't hit. It's been, we're deep into this year, and you kind of need to accept that. So it's either would be somebody like him or, you know, Troy is somebody who has done everything possible in the minors to show that he can hit as well. But even him, his raw power is not quite the same as Austin Allen's is. He's a hit over power guy, which is funny because he actually, those, those two are, I think, right around tied for the minor league lead for the Marlins and homers this year. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I could go a few different directions, but I think this is this is a good question for August 2nd after the deadline happens because the question is, who do they send back in these trades to acquire the final reinforcements that we think they are going to? Maybe they do send back some players that are on their 40-man roster, even if it's not the active roster, maybe the 40-man. So this is a, a good question for the next spaces, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, right now it all comes down to who's still here after the deadline, honestly, uh, Chase. But um, I don't think it's a terrible question. I think there's definitely guys that are pushing their way. Uh, Troy would be the main one. Um, and then, of course, you look at, at the pitchers uh, as well, like like Patrick and you know, it's, and Sean, right, who came up and then didn't get the pitch. So you want to see that guy pitch at some point? So it's an hour, so so yeah, um, you want to see that guy in, in a game. So yeah, um, I agree. Though I think it's a question for probably next phases, um, but not a, not a terrible question because I do think there are guys that are pushing their way right now that that need to be considered. Well, I do want to ask Carver before before we go Alamo. Uh, who's the best catching prospect in this organization now? I think consensusly we all thought it was Ronald, and now he's gone. So yeah, it's it? yeah, tough. Um, I mean, like, is it is it Ban is it Banfield? Uh, I I would Probably. still lean on the geez, but it's it's a really good because it was Ronald Hernandez. You're right. Um, I. I don't know. It's it's a really really interesting question. If it's you pin me down, down to right? it, if if you pin me, yeah, that's a good question. If you pin me down to it, I would probably say overall, maybe it's Joe Mac. I, I don't know. I think it's Banfield. Isn't Joe Mac like the fifth ranked prospect on MLB Pipeline on the board right now? Yeah. Uh, please don't look at him. Please don't look at him. But, but again, yeah, Pipeline loves high school, high school players. So it's, uh, it's a testament as the 
you know, someone looks at him. I, I don't. I can't name another catcher that is the, that far up there, even in the conversation of being. Yeah, it's either Banfield or Mac. I mean, I love Paul McIntosh, and I love Will Banfield. It's. I mean, I love Paul McIntosh. I really do. Austin Allen is an older guy. Yes, he can hit for power. He's um, not even a prospect, right? He's not. Yeah, he's not even. Well, yeah, no, because he had time in the major, so he's not even really a prospect. So you're right. Um, but still, um, yeah, he's past prospect eligibility. So if you if you want to put it to best prospect catcher, I would say it's Joe Mack. But Will Banfield is right there, so uh, yeah. There's a there's two high school catchers for you. That would be my answer. Unless we go right, down. Any other yeah, questions? So, but that's yeah. Uh, does 86 wins get a team that final wild card spot? Hard maybe. Two weeks ago, I would have said yes. It is so jumbled up now that I'm a definite maybe. I, it's tough to tell. There's so much that has to play out. But at the season end of the day, I would say 86 wins. There's probably like three teams that would have it or be right around that. Like two would get in when we get left out. That's what the Phillies had last year, right? For the wild card? I, I, believe believe that's I think they had 87. Okay, well, close enough. Either way. Yeah, I, one of the 60 teams I'm with six wins. I'm with Grant. That's a hard maybe because this is so close. It may come down to like one of the last days of the season. So that's how I'll put it. By the way, I do want to, I have an update on Austin Allen. He hurt his right hand or wrist on Thursday and he left the game early and he has not played since. So that's, when was that? That was on Thursday in the first ending on Thursday. I'm watching it right now, a foul ball that hit his bare hands, his bare right hand, his, his uh, throwing hands. And he has not played since, so we will see. He's not on. I don't think he's on the IL down there, but it's a question as to exactly how serious that hand injury is. Yeah, I haven't gotten the email that he's on the IL. So right. So is it PMAC taking the most of the reps? Yeah. PMAC has started two games, and then today was Santiago Chavez. Yeah, it would be down to PMAC to be like the overall starter, and then Chavez is a backup. So. Man, that sucks. Um, Austin Allen can definitely hit for power, but if he has a hand injury, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I still can't right, believe any other questions? Uh, well, thank you. No, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's a big series coming up. We definitely need to split in order for the chance to hold on to the tiebreaker. So win two here, win one in Philly in September, and if we tie them, uh, we make the playoffs and they don't. So I hope people show up and show out. Let's go Marlins and go super subscribe for three dollars right now. Have a great job, Beta guys. Thank you. That's right, definitely. Thank you, LMF. Um, since we're kind of going a while, I'll tell you what, we'll go hard out at nine o'clock because we don't want to be here too late tonight. But we got some requests. I'm gonna try and get to everyone. Eli's brought in Victor. So Victor, what's your question? Um, I had a I had a few questions, but I want to start off with uh, Garcia, because you know, he just came back today. And um, I think it was really encouraging that every single hit that he got was a hard hit. Like, I believe they were all over 100 miles per hour off the bat. And it seemed like he was doing the same thing in his rehab games. So do we think that, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to turn into like some amazing hitter, but do we think at least it's sustainable and he can give us 
a similar production to what he gave tonight. Maybe not a triple every time, but maybe a, a few balls into the gap, you know, two hits into the gap, a single, like he did today. Is that sustainable? I think the hard, that's legit. The quality of contact has been there with him. It was there even when he's struggled. That is legit. The main issue, I would say, well, the main issue is him getting his bat on the ball in the first place. But so many of his hits as a Marlin have been straight into the ground, including his first one today uh, that grounded into a double play. Even though the game as a whole went pretty well for him, it got off on the wrong foot because he continued in the long line of Marlins players that, hit into double plays at an almost unprecedented rate. That was last year. That was his big undoing. He was constantly rolling over on balls straight into the ground where the hitting it hard doesn't really do you any favors in that circumstance. So with him, it's the launch angle is still going to be pretty crucial for him. Then the biggest thing will simply be swinging at better pitches because he was so undisciplined last year, swinging at everything even when he was hitting a ball hard, he wouldn't get it at the right angle and it was staying in the park or it was going on the ground. And that's why he didn't tap into the kind of home run power that everybody expected of him. So I'm still kind of skeptical as to how exactly he's going to be as an overall player. Uh, there's never been any question though about his strength. And that's what stood out during his rehab assignment. He was hitting not just home runs, but opposite field home runs and also no doubt home runs. Yeah. His power is tantalizing. There are very few players on this whole trade market right now that have the kind of raw power that he has in terms of viewing this as that kind of addition on that same kind of level. But overall, there's he still has pretty fatal flaws to his game where he's just swinging at the wrong pitches. And too often, that contact, it's going into the ground and it's not really producing anything for this offense. Speaking of today's game, really quickly, uh, not on Abby, but speaking of today's game, if Gene Segura somehow gets MVP of this series, Eli, I think I should get like 100 points in the uh, MVP standings because I did pick him. So, yeah, uh, that's my, my campaign for myself. So, I, I, yeah, like if that, if that guy somehow gets MVP, I should get like 100 points. It was Miggy Cabrera. Now, would it have been Garrett Hampson if someone picked him or was it firmly Miguel Cabrera? <laughs> That's a good question. I'll have to double check. But, but naturally, nobody picked Hampson. Uh, they weren't sure he was going to even be on the roster today. Actually, yes, it would have been. I believe it would have been Hampson if anybody had actually picked him. All right, Victor, any other questions? Um, my other question would be regarding the trade deadline and more specifically towards uh, Glaber Torres. Because at least from what I was reading and what I was seeing, is that the the Yankees wanted Cabrera and and Garrett and maybe a few extra pieces, you know, like prospects. But and I to me that seems like an unrealistic offer, you know, like asking for that much. I don't think the Marlins are going to do it. Um, but does that worry anyone if a team like the Yankees are asking for that much? Maybe if you go over to the Nats and you're like, I want Candelario, the Nats are going to be like, I want similar. You know, they're going to be asking for a similar package. Does that worry anyone? Well, it's a question. The Yankees. All right, go ahead, Grant. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll make this point as quick as I can. And then, Eli, don't take offense because I know you're a Yankees guy. But 
the Yankees in their front office, Cashman front office, kind of look delusional a little bit, a lot of it actually. Where they spent years offering Clint Frazier as the headliner in all these different packages, but now they want um, two top prospects for the Marlins and two rotation arms. Like that is just so hypocritical. I don't think the price for a lot of these other guys is going to be where anywhere near what the Yankees are asking for for Torres. That was probably a starting offer, sure, and the Marlins could always negotiate that down. But like, I don't expect. A guy like Candelario being nearly that expensive uh, at all. I mean, sure, he's going to have an inflated price because this is a crazy seller's market we've seen in recent history at the deadline. But uh, no one's trading that kind of package for Torres. And if a team does that for Gabriel Torres, uh, they aren't going to make the playoffs. I'm sorry. And then the one thing I do want to add to what Grant said is with Washington, I don't think they're looking for major leaguers. They're looking for prospects that are going to help their system especially with where they're at right now especially especially like upper level prospects where they i think should really be targeting uh obviously the mets were another situation and the yankees as, as grant said i have no idea how they pulled that offer out of their ass to really say here we want eddie we want brax and we want two top prospects and man that was i think miami should have just hung up the phone right there and no longer be talking to the yankees but I mean, obviously, as Brian said, you could kind of tone it down a little bit, negotiate it down. I think they'll find a way to get a deal done. If Miami's pushing as hard as it is, it is rumored that they are for Glaber Torres, they will definitely either overpay in some way, shape, or form, or eventually they'll get to a deal that they feel comfortable with. But I'm leaning towards the part where they overpay just because of how, how it's been reported that how badly they're pushing for someone like Glaber. Well, this is also and I don't think they should yeah, reporting this. I don't know if right. Marlins are actually true. pushing this hard. That could definitely be a New York spin. Well, I, I'm just this is New York hard. I'm sorry, Eli. Last year, Craig, Craig told us in the spaces that he was ready to send out the tweet. He had it written up that Glaber was coming to Miami for Pablo. So it wouldn't surprise me if Miami is once again trying to this, make that push that badly for Glaber. Which I don't know why. I like Glaber, the player, but I don't. No, not not someone I would really want. He would virtually take either one of Cooper or Yuli off the roster, as we had previously mentioned. Yes, but yes, he would be a good addition to this team. It would help out the infield a little bit defensively, even though Rise has been way better than him. Stop would be at second base, but at the end of the day, I feel like because we haven't really heard a lot of this coming from Miami, other than Alex's boy Daniel DeVivo being the first one to report the interest. People kind of ridiculing him, but. He was indeed right, but a lot of the noise from Billy Torres has come out of New York. I don't know if the Marlins are actually pushing that hard. Maybe we asked Craig if that's actually happening. I don't know. But I would just take it with a grain of salt as to how hard the Marlins are pushing. I don't doubt whatsoever they've had discussions, but I also just don't know if they're actually going to overpay like what New York people are saying. And if I am Miami, I am not trading Edward Cabrera and Braxton Garrett. I think Cabrera is an off-season thing. Especially with how the pit, you know, how much, I mean, you're looking for starting pitching. For, for those that think Miami should trade out of Wickenboro, I just think you're, you're wrong because you're looking for starting pitching. You're, you're mentioning all these trade targets, Montgomery, Flaherty, Giolito at one point, just to say, let's trade Edward. I don't think that's the case. I think you need to keep Edward and then 
you figure it out in the offseason what you're going to do. And that's, I think, what's the case with De La Cruz, with Edward, and all the other names we've mentioned that could possibly be sell highs. Good point. Victor, any other questions? Uh, yes, this will be my last question. So, looking a bit ahead, you know, into the offseason and more into next year, I know a lot of people would be scared of getting any more free agencies or any more free agent players because of the way it's turned out with some of the guys we've got recently. But where would you guys look if you are this team trying to upgrade the offense? into next year? Well, I would probably look again through trades just because next year's free agent market, I guess this year's free agent market, it is piss poor. It is pretty bad. I haven't taken a deep dive into it, but I know we've talked about it. I've seen some people on Twitter talk about it. That It's a really bad free agency market, and the Marlins will have to get creative once again this offseason. That just seems to be the theme at this point, doesn't it? Yeah, there will be some familiar names that were out there last year that the Marlins are linked to, like Evan Longoria and Justin Turner. Justin Turner has been amazing, and he's going to opt out of his player option. Um, but both those guys are a year older and therefore carry out a whole lot of risk in them. So those are players that would be available to the Marlins and I think affordable, but just the downside is pretty big when you're that deep into your 30s. Matt Chapman is one of the biggest position player names out there but he's a guy that I think would be out of their price range. If they don't trade for Condelario, or even if they, or especially if they do, I mean, Condelario is due to be a free agent this time around. And that'd be somebody that I do think they could afford. And somebody who at least defensively at third base would be better than their current internal options, including Segura. And offensively, you think he's a pretty big upgrade there as well. Uh, just as an overall player who's because of the inconsistency of his career, um, would be some way that's affordable. So I don't know. I, I would kind of the, the free agent class isn't quite as bad as it was projected to be. Even guys in the outfield like Tommy Pham is having a better year than expected. Jock Peterson's going to be available next year. And aside from and of course Cody Bellinger is the one who's improved his stock so much. That'll be a really interesting one where I think he's kind of on the line between somebody that's realistically affordable and somebody that isn't. I think the main deterrent is that going to be the length of the deal that he's in in play for. I think he's somebody that's going to pretty easily get five, six years because of the fact that he's only 28 years old heading into this offseason. Um, no, there's some interesting guys out there. Um, the big One of the big factors here is what they do with Jazz, whether they leave Jazz in center field or whether he's coming back to the infield and how to move the pieces around there uh, corresponding to him. Um, yeah, it is, there's not a whole lot of, it, it's an interesting group, uh, but I do again agree with Grant that trades are going to be an important piece of this. They're just in a tough spot overall though, because the farm system, as we've touched on, is not in good shape. So they don't even have as much trade capital this coming off season as they had this past off season, unless some guys really pop at the end of this minor league season. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of trips. They'd have to get really creative in trading from their big league roster. And that's the thing that they don't really want to do now, obviously, when they're in the middle of the race. Um, but come the offseason, they do they do have some creative trade options when it comes to these pitchers. You know, they do have in the organization, they have a surplus of starting pitchers. The problem is at this moment, they don't have a surplus of healthy starting pitchers that you can rely on for innings down the stretch. So once again, um, and for the foreseeable future, there's always going to be rumors about 
them using their pitchers to get more bats in trade. Um, it doesn't feel it, it's difficult to do here at this deadline, but that's something that's going to be on the table for sure in the off season. So the, the only other thing to mention that Eli didn't say, I would agree with the names that he mentioned um, as being probably some of the main guys. I mean, you can point to some other guys as well that are going to be free agents, which are, Kind of lower down, you got Isaiah, Isaiah kind of for Leffa, you got Brandon Crawford, so you have names like that that are kind of lower down. But my only other question would be, what is Jorge Soler going to do with this player option, right? So does he accept it? Does he go somewhere else? Does he think he can get something somewhere else? That, that's another main factor to consider when you go into the offseason. So just keep that in mind that, uh, that it is in his court. It is in Soler's court on what he wants to do. Does he want to stay here? How far do the Marlins go? I think his decision is going to be based on how far this team goes into the playoffs. If this team can prove that it's a winner and go into the playoffs at least, maybe he would come back. If this team doesn't make the playoffs, I don't know if he would accept a player option. I don't know if he would take it. So um, that's going to be another main thing to, to think about when you go into the offseason. We've got Josh. Yeah. Hold on. He's been requested all spaces. So floor is yours whenever you're ready to speak. Yeah, you guys were talking yesterday about how the Marlins would have, like, no chance of pulling off, like, a mega trade for, like, a soda or something based off of their farm system. But would you see any situation where we would start a trade with Jazz in there and get out of this albatross? I know everyone in the world loves him, but I think he's severely overrated. And if there's a way to do something with that now, I think it would be an all-in type situation. You're speaking my language. That's a great question. We've been, we've yeah. been yes, and I will suggest politely that you go to fishonfirst.com and read my my latest trade piece on could the Marlins realistically get Juan Soto. The answer could actually surprise you, but I did explore the possibility of do you headline that package with Jazz Chisholm. Uh, it aligns very very well with your question. I would. Uh, I don't. I don't think he would slow it right now. I don't know if he can just because of his injury situation, but in the off season. Absolutely. I, I think you look to capitalize on his peak value because you also look at it this way. The Marlins aren't going to extend everyone in, at, at one time, especially at one time, actually. I guess that's kind of a dumb thing to say. Like They, they are going to extend every young player they've got. I'd say your top two candidates right now are Arise and Lazardo, 100%. Those are your guys you're going to get. Yuri Perez? I don't know. Well, he, he's got some control. Yuri's 100% in the conversation as well. But guys who are starting to lose some control, Lazaro and Arise, you got to start talking to them as soon as possible, I believe. And Sandy's already taken care of. But those are your guys you need to talk to. What has Jazz done to earn an extension? Not a lot, in my opinion. So if you want to capitalize on a steep value before the entire league notices that he just can't stay healthy, I, I like your idea. I like where your head's at. I mean, he's on the cover of the video game. He's going to want max money. And honestly, I think his 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 peak, I think, is star. And he wants to be in the superstars level. And I think he's just a star. He's not going to be a superstar. And I, I think we got to figure out a way to maximize getting out of this before, you know, before the money comes. Let me Let me ask you a serious question. Uh, though, Josh, and this is a great question, by the way, so kudos to you for bringing up this name in terms of uh, a guy that they could let go. It's not something that any Marlins fan wants to hear, but it is very realistic. I would like to think in terms of, uh, yes, it's a marketable player. What's he done on the field? When he's been healthy, he's been pretty good. When he's not been healthy, 
it's been an issue and the health has been a, sh- a sure issue for this player. So what I would say is what, what I would ask you is what has this player done for Miami to show that he is a superstar? That's my main question for you. That's a, well, I see. I think I'm the wrong person to ask. I think everyone and their mom right. thinks he is the man. And I don't think he has really shown that yet. He's not shown me that he's Ronald Acuna and he thinks he is. And, and he has shown that, you know, he's got some great potential, but I just don't think the ceiling's there, even if healthy. I don't think he, he is Acuna, and that's who he thinks he is. The, 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 the sheer reality of this situation, I agree with you, by the way, but the, the sheer reality of this situation is that right now, today, right now when we're talking today, the Marlins have lost this trade. They did not win this trade with Zach Allen. They lost this trade for Zach Allen. And we've said that a lot about Marlins trades uh, for, for promising players in the past. And here, here it is again. We're saying it again, that the Marlins have lost, definitely right now lost this trade. Can they get it back? It's possible because Jazz definitely does have the ability. But now you have him in center field. He's at a much more demanding position. And he's still getting hurt. And that is a, that is a true problem. It really is, is that the Marlins put this guy in center field thinking that he could do it. The Marlins also continue to run this guy out, you know, after last year in spring training when he was apparently hurt at second base and then he got hurt and missed the entire second half. There, There is a true worry here about this player's longevity, about this player's ability to stick over the course of a full season. And it, it's very worrisome. So you're right. I would not say that Jazz Chisholm, even though he's injured, I would not say, especially if you can get it back, you know, a, a superstar like Grant has, has said in Soto. I don't, I don't think it's realistic, but Grant said it's more realistic than you think in his article, and he made good points. But man, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds for this player, because man, yes, he's he's he has a great personality. He's on the cover of a video game, like you said. All of that other stuff, he's very marketable, like you said. So he does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. But on the field, it's been a letdown, bro. So I, I don't know how you can say that this has been anything but a loss in this trade with Zach Allen so far. All right, we'll keep up the good work. Thanks. Hey, we appreciate it, man. That was a very good question. Uh, we will bring in this gentleman right here who's got an island emoji as his name. It's Mr. Island emoji's loading in. I'm going to mute Isaac. Dude's in, a, in the middle of a tunnel, it seems. Bro, he's always in his corner. Sorry to you guys. Well done, Carver. I agree with everything you just said. I've never agreed with you more on a certain topic than I did just now. He said it perfectly. And look, I, I love Jazzism. He's remarkable. He's what the Marlins needed at a pretty rough time in terms of uh, image, I guess, whereas they traded all their stars and didn't really have anyone to represent the face of the team. And definitely appreciate what he's done there, but he hasn't shown that he's been healthy. And from a business perspective, it 100% makes sense to explore what his value could be in the offseason. If you haven't read my article on fishonfirst.com, where I suggest is that, you know, maybe you headline him for uh, Juan Soto, go ahead and read it. We brought up some fabulous points. There's a name in there that you guys are probably going to be mad that I mentioned. Uh, he might be a certain Jeezy Sanchez, but go read the article. Uh, we we really scored the opportunity. What what does that say, Grant? I mean, yes, and I know that Josh. This is the last I'll say because I know you got to get to another speaker. But this is the last I'll say. What does that say about the fact that we're getting more upset about trading Jesus Sanchez 
It does about maybe including Jazz in a trade the, competition. The best ability <laughs> is availability. Has Jazz right. Chisholm been available? No. Exactly. That's the last I'll say on it. So, there you go. So we got our new speaker in here. What's your question, my man? If he's there. There we go. So my question is uh, regarding the bullpen situation. Uh, we've seen Puck struggle. I mean, it's looking like the seventh or eighth outing where he's just looked terrible. And I'm wondering if Skip is, Skip is just going to take him out of the rotation of the bullpen. And once Nardi comes back, it'll be something like Nardi, Scott, you know, Jorge Lopez, and Robertson. Because, I mean, this guy just gives up a run. It's, 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 it's a guarantee every single time that he comes out on the mound and he gives up a run. And I just, I just wanted your guys' thoughts about that. That is what I'd encourage them to do. It usually never works like this. It's usually the guy that is the closer. Um, they don't do anything drastic uh, at any points. They continue to like try to put him in a position to regain his old role as soon as possible. But with Puck, this is such an extended struggle and losing games in so many different ways. Um, like To me, it is pretty apparent that he's the weakest link in this bullpen and should be used as such until he has some measure of success. Uh, before even thinking about putting him back in those situations. And that's why Tay was a head scratcher today, putting him in a relatively important situation with a one run lead um, facing kind of the middle of the Tigers lineup. It's, it's just baffling because you can kind of see what is happening. It It's somebody that is severely struggling. It's not just luck and it's not just one particular thing or one particular pitch or a particular matchup. He's just, yeah, he's not, he's, he's not finishing his pitches the same way. And He's not inducing the soft contact or the swings and misses that he used to. He just can't be trusted whatsoever. But their bullpen, I think, is they, they can now, if they choose to, they can now like bury him in that mop-up situation if they want to. Now that Nardi is coming back and now that Robertson and Lopez are in the mix, I, I have no clue if they would actually do it. it I, would, I still think that they hold out hope that they can make one little tweak and get Puck back on board. But it's... They're, it's really hard to overstate how bad he has been for now several weeks now, not just struggling, but struggling in these most important situations in a way that has made him arguably like the least valuable pitcher in baseball. He has tr- like turned several wins into losses and he has put several possible wins in jeopardy like he did today, even though they ultimately prevailed thanks to the rest of the supporting cast. Yeah. It's turned uh, really ugly for him. Unfortunately, I mean, the silver lining is they still have him around, beyond this year so even if he doesn't get it back down the stretch even if they by the end of this year they simply he doesn't figure it out they do have time to get the best out of him in the future because it's really not that long ago where he was super effective but this is a really unusual case i just want to hammer that home this is unusual for somebody to be as good as he was for several months and then go entirely the other way around for an entire month right after that so it's it's fascinating, and well, unfortunately, it's it's a big challenge for this team. So thankfully, they were out in front of that issue instead of waiting all the way down to the deadline. Appreciate it. I mean, I got one more question uh, surrounding Jack Flaherty. I know he's a free agent after this year, so I'm wondering what what kind of package um, would look what, what would look like, you know, to get somebody like that. Uh, considering he's a free agent um, after the year. 
That's a good question. I really don't know what the pitcher market looks like. What was the return on Montgomery? I did not see what the return was. Well, with him, they did bundle him with a reliever, Chris Stratton, in order to maximize him a little more. And I think that's what they would do with Flaherty, too. Uh, as I, I mentioned earlier in the space, is, you know, bundling him with one of the hitters that the Cardinals have, like a Paul DeYoung, who can give them a little bit more offense in the infield. Um, that would make me more comfortable actually giving up one of the Marlins' better prospects in return uh, for somebody like Flaherty. I, so I think that's what they're trying to do. The Cardinals, they got three players in return and two of them being prospects. Um, yeah, two that were relatively well-regarded prospects, but uh, nobody from the very top of their farm. And then they got a, a separate left-hander pitching John King. I'm not really familiar with John King. He's been a pretty mediocre guy over the course of his career with them. So, yeah, they got a decent return. Like, yeah, that, that is a it's a realistic target. But for this Marlins team, they've already made that one deal, getting a pure rental in Robertson while giving up two decent prospects in return. I think they want to, any other pending free agents, I think they want to bundle them with an additional piece in order to make it more worth their while. They just don't have a whole lot of prospects to trade with in the first place. So they don't want to, even though it's important for them to win this year, um, it's it's more defensible to push their chips in if they're actually like killing two birds with one stone. I guess that applies to the Cardinals. If they get a couple of Cardinals players in one, um, somebody else along with Flaherty, then I think that makes you more comfortable. In terms of like, particular names um you know the same guys that have been brought up in rumors already like Carson Milbrandt and Jacob Miller their early round draft picks from last year on the pitching side who are now a little bit redundant in this farm system Patrick Monteverde we've brought him up before as well and now that he's at AAA he you wouldn't put him in your rotation right away but as soon as next year that's somebody that I imagine would have a lot of appeal to the Cardinals yeah, at this point, they've traded a couple of their only good hitting prospects. So whatever it is, you would expect it to be very pitcher-centric. Eli, Eli just because I'm, I'm sure you know, sorry to interrupt, just because you know I'm sure the, the arm that St. Louis acquired better than the rest of us, what would those... You cut out, Isaac. The Cardinals are for that player. Wait, what? Say that again, Isaac. You cut out for a second. Uh, the arms that um, the Cardinals acquired for Hicks, like, what would you comp that to Miami? What would, what would you comp it to Miami? Uh, the Cardinals That's what he's asking. Well, now i got to look at the Hicks trade. We weren't even talking about that trade. We were talking about the Montgomery-Chris Stratton trade. But now looking at the Hicks one. Someone, yeah, he would have been someone to package along with Flaherty. So that's why I'm just curious what Hicks was worth on, on the trade market. I don't know very much about these particular guys. Oh, I think they've already been. Yeah, it's going to be hard for me. I, I don't have an answer off the top of my head on that. The thing that I can say is, how good is this Rangers team going to be? <laughs> Jeez. Like Rangers, Braves, World Series calling it now. Yeah, they, they get Scherzer and now they get Jordan Montgomery? Like, what? Like, I, I was so sad to see Montgomery go today. That was a, a name that I really thought the Marlins had a chance at. It's not happening. He's he's on the uh, the Texas Rangers, and that team is really going to be good. So, um, man, if you, if you look at a at a second half favorite for a World Series, at least birth, if not championship, Texas Rangers, it has to be them. Yeah. All right, any other questions? Take, 
appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Executive decisions. We're coming on two hours here. We did a two and a half hour space just a couple weeks ago. Wasn't fun. If you got a request, I apologize. We do this every single Sunday. We're going to get Ryan because he is my man. He's a super subscriber. And a quick congratulations to him. He called a little bit of the, the Clearwater Freshers game the other night. Well, what an honor that is. I, even I haven't called minor league baseball. A very, very cool experience there. But uh, what, what's your question? We'll, we'll end the night with you. We'll wrap up. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, so I was wondering when Nardi comes back. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have been asked this yet because I just joined. I was watching the Sunday night baseball game with my dad. But when Nardi comes back, who's going to get sent down in your in you guys' opinion? Probably Brazabon. Yes, that is my guess as well. It's Brazabon or Soriano, but Soriano has been so good, even though he's been used. Even though Soriano's been used more recently, it's beginning to look really legit in his case. So it's a, it's almost definitely going to be one of those two. Yeah, thankfully with Tanner Scott, they avoided an injury scare because we were worried that maybe he would go back on the IL with his calf thing, but he proved today that he's fully healthy. So it's, it's Brazabon or it's Soriano. I could see you going either way, but my I would my hope would be Brazabon because I feel like Soriano has really earned his spot. I have an idea that might be frowned upon and might not be ethical, but Ghost IL Sim for Pocket It can't be, uh, oh, maybe, maybe it's the Ghost IL Sim, but it, it can't be, can't be, uh, Soriano, um, who, who provides multiple innings, who saved a couple of games here already. Um, it, it can't be Soriano. It, it has to be Huascar Brazavon, um, who cannot go multiple innings. So, it, yeah, I think the easy decision is Brazavon. Yeah, yeah I've had an idea up at the top. Maybe. Yeah, that's what I, I I was about to say. I was about to say I was going to mention the Phantom IL for Puck. I mentioned that to a couple of people earlier today when he was struggling. And the other idea I had was JT Shagwa. He has just not been able to get the ground balls or get left-handed batters out at any stretch. And you know his whole thing is getting ground balls and. But he's not getting them. He's basically Junichi Tazawa at this point. So I think they have to consider either Puck or Shagwa as someone they sent down. Ogrid's been doing fine. The rest of the pen has been doing fine. Brazilwan has even been doing fine. And obviously, I can send down Soriano. I agree with Carver and you guys. But I think you have to consider either Shagwa or Puck. You have to. Yeah, you have to go IL or. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but Shagwa is out of options. You can't send him down. That's the reason why he was traded to the Marlins in the first place. Because the Rays like their optional relievers. You can't send him down. He's out of options. Okert, for the record, has been out of options for a couple of years now. Um, but Shagwa is out of options. Um, and unfortunately, I, I could just read you through his last five appearances. There's last five appearances. One, he allowed two inherited runners to score. Then the other one, he pitched a scoreless inning but walked a guy. And then the last three, he's given up earned runs in all three of those on his own. And including a couple of those where he allowed inherited runs to score in addition to his own earned runs. So he has been, ever since he came back from that injury, he has not been quite as sharp. And especially recently, this is maybe his worst extended slump of some kind that he's had this year. Unfortunately, you can't send him down. So um, that, that would be a pretty bold decision. If he does struggle, um, this continues for another couple of weeks. Like they could make the bold choice to just DFA him, honestly. Um, but they can't send him down, and I don't think they're going to do that DFA right now. I think it's for the moment you keep as much P 
pitching depth as possible. And you do that by simply optioning one of those guys that actually can be sent down. Cooper replacement and 
could that type of trade package be something the Marlins look for? Because those are, they packaged up two guys in one trade. Could they do that with St. Louis maybe? We'll go out on this round table here. I, I just want to know if Miami was interested in Crone at any point. Because I know Isaac can say this as well. And Eli, when, in, the pro, in the podcast with Joe, he mentioned that they were looking at first baseman. So yeah. I, it would be, I, I think, my, if, I mean, would Miami have shown interest in, in Crone and Gritchick as well, I guess. But that's, that's the one thing I do want to know from you know Miami's end. I, I don't know how much different Crone is than Cooper. They have a lot in common. I agree. They, He's they, got a year control. <laughs> they, Crone does? Does he? No, he does not. He is a pending free yeah, agent. He's got one more year. CJ Crone? Not from what yeah. I'm seeing. I checked this like a couple weeks ago. I think he's, he's under contract next year. I will uh, I will double check while we're on here. That so, does not sound correct. $14 million deal. And isn't he in the second year of that deal? Yeah, Grant, what are you talking about? He's a free agent next <laughs> What? I do. I use SpotRack. Is that like a bad site? Yeah, this is a very similar player to Garrett Cooper. It's a power first player. And when I came as a free agent, so um, there's there's really no difference from what they have in Garrett Cooper. So I don't think this guy was on their radar, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, the only difference is that he plays home games in Coors Field and it inflates his slugging. Right. But yeah, otherwise, he's having a very similar, when you adjust for the environment he plays in, it's a very similar year that Cooper is having and he hits from the right side. And um, yeah, the power upside is a little bit is higher than Cooper's, but also probably the, the feel as an overall hitter is a little lower than Cooper's. So that would just be a very marginal move with Grichik. It's worth mentioning just because he's been playing exceptionally well lately. Um, and even has the ability to fake it in center field. He's been playing a surprising amount of center field for the Rockies this year. How many starts in center field? About 20 games he's played in center field. Uh, this far into his career. And so even when you take out the core stuff, he's been hitting pretty well, it, but the fit is kind of awkward still with him. Uh, with the Marlins, it is a lot easier to figure out a fit when for somebody on the infield than it is on the outfield. So if you took Gritchick's offense and you put it on Crone, then that's a first baseman they may have gone out of their way to get. But this year, Gritchick has been the much better hitter um, and – yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't a clean fit, but yeah, for a team that needs offense, I wouldn't be surprised if they at least kick the tires on Gritchick at some point. All right, we'll go find a. Uh, it's also hard to find a guy who walks less than than Cooper, but you have one in CJ Crone. So uh, yeah, uh, there's literally zero walks, strikeout, 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 or or home run and contact. So yeah, it's a it's a one to two tool player and. the the Marlins have another one just like him with Cooper. So uh, on an expiry contract as well. So yeah, there's, there was no fit here for Crone, but uh, good on the trade, man. I, I think that, that both teams will make out. All right. We'll end it there. Um, we probably will do a space on deadline day. I don't know about tomorrow. We will have to discuss this amongst us, but if not, we will be back at this time next Sunday to discuss what has transpired during deadline week in an all-important series coming up against the Philadelphia Phillies and another one over the weekend in Arlington, Texas. So that'll do it all for us, for Eli, for Alex, for Kevin, for Isaac, for Daniel, for all our speakers tonight. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. We will see you this time next week. Thank you very much.